You are listening to an ODI live event podcast. You can find out more about events and research by the Overseas Development Institute by visiting our website, odi.org. My name is Alex Thier. I'm the executive director here, and welcome to the Overseas Development Institute. Uh, to our Bengali guests, let me wish you a Shubha Boishakh. Uh, that's Happy New Year, uh, which was celebrated. <laughs> uh, uh, so I know it's not a great time for you to be traveling, but uh, nonetheless, we welcome uh, many of our visitors, both from here and abroad uh, here today. It's my immense pleasure to welcome you all to ODI, and particularly to welcome the Prime Minister of Bangladesh, Sheikh Hasina. We are also honored that she is accompanied by a number of members of her cabinet, as well as other senior officials and the High Commissioner. Uh, including the Minister uh, for Foreign Affairs, the State Minister for Women and Children's Affairs, uh, the Minister of State for Foreign Affairs, uh, as well as the High Commissioner who has worked very closely with us uh, to make this event possible today. So thank you all. Bangladesh has traveled a remarkable journey in the last few decades. Once known uh, for the severity of things like floods, and famine, since 1990, over 50 million people in Bangladesh have exited extreme poverty, a reduction in the poverty rate from 44% to 13%. Now, we all agree that 13% is still too many. Nonetheless, it is an extraordinary number of people who have moved up. And indeed, just a few weeks ago in New York, Bangladesh, which is the world's most populous, least developed country, met the three criteria to graduate from LDC status for the first time. And this was due not only to the successful growth that Bangladesh has enjoyed, but indeed inclusive growth. So much so that they are the first LDC to meet all three of these categories. Maintaining this success will result in graduation in the years to come. But to meet their goals going forward, and indeed to help the whole world meet its sustainable development goals, some big challenges still remain for Bangladesh. Bangladesh's economy must not only continue to grow and diversify, but it may all, must also include those who are still left behind. Social indicators such as gender gaps in the workforce and education, as well as maternal mortality rates and child marriage still require improvement, and climate risks, as always, loom large for Bangladesh. ODI is proud to have traveled this journey with Bangladesh. Indeed, I was just telling the Prime Minister that uh, shortly after independence, ODI published a report on the economic prospects for Bangladesh by a renowned Cambridge professor of economics, Sir Austin Robinson. Indeed, it asks about whether Bangladesh is going to be able to overcome its poverty now that it has gained independence, something that we will be talking more about today. I'm also proud to say that ODI continues its long tradition of working with Bangladesh on a range of issues, including economic progress, including the future of work, especially for women and girls, and a range of humanitarian issues, including the plight of the Rohingya. 
That is why we are especially delighted to welcome the Prime Minister here and that she has found time in an incredibly busy schedule uh, during the Commonwealth Summit to join us. The Commonwealth and the Summit uh, are an important matter for ODI because many of the countries that we are partnering with are members of this dynamic group. Indeed, on your chairs, I hope you found copies of a new ODI report which outlines the opportunities for creating jobs, sharing prosperity, and increasing resilience across the Commonwealth. So I ask you to read it, share it, and give it to your favorite political leader, columnist, or commentator this week. In a moment, the Prime Minister will deliver a keynote speech after which we will engage in a conversation on a range of issues that are key to Bangladesh's development progress. And there will be an opportunity to ask some questions. And finally, I hope that many of you will be able to join us for a reception afterwards. If you are joining us online, we have many hundreds of people outside of this room. You can submit questions that I will see, and hopefully we will be able to get to some of those as well. Uh, while I do ask you to please silence your phones, don't turn them off. Uh, we like you in the room and online to join us in the conversation. And you can tweet using the hashtag ODI Sheikh Hasina. Now, let me properly introduce our keynote speaker. Sheikh Hasina is the Prime Minister of the People's Republic of Bangladesh. She became the president of the Bangladesh Awami League in 1981 while living in exile in India. She first led her party to power in the 1996 general election and became prime minister for the first time. Um, sorry. Um, her party also won victories in the 2008 and 2014 general election, and in January of 2014, she assumed the office of prime minister for the third time. She has won many awards in her time as a leader, including the United Nations Champion of the Earth Award in 2015 for putting confronting the challenge of climate change at the core of Bangladesh's development agenda. UNESCO also honored her with the Tree of Peace in recognition of her outstanding contribution to the promotion of women and girls' education in 2014. She is also the chairperson of the trust commemorating her father, Sheikh Mujibur Rahman, considered by many to be the father of Bangladesh. I would now like to welcome the Prime Minister to the stage. Well, Alex, thank you very much, and thank you, Ms. Atar, to well, uh, allow me and giving me this opportunity to talk to you. And it's a really great opportunity to address this event gathering at the ODI. Excellency, honorable members of parliament, distinguished audience, very good morning. Oh, sorry, good afternoon to you all. Assalamu alaikum. It's a cloudy, so difficult to know. 
and I am travelling from abroad, so you can understand. Well, uh, good afternoon. I am greatly encouraged by your interest on Bangladesh. Bangladesh achieved independence in 1971 after nine months of bloody war fought under the leadership of the father of the nation, Bangabandhu, Sheikh Mujibur Rahman. Three million people were martyred and two million women lost their innocence by Pakistani occupation forces. Soon after independence, Bangabandhu Sheikh Mujibur Rahman started rebuilding the war-ravaged country, but unfortunately, he, along with 18 family members, was brutally assassinated on 15th August 1975. I lost my mother, my three brothers, the younger one was only 10 years old, two sister-in-laws, and my uncle, auntie. This, that day, they attacked three houses. My, our family members, almost everybody's house, they, the killer attacked and killed the family members. My younger sister and myself were abroad, so we survived. For six years, I couldn't come back to my country. We were in exile. We lived just as a refugee. And uh, in 1981, I become uh, in my exile, my party, Bangladesh Shawam, elected me as a president of the party. Then I returned home. Though the then government uh, tried to prevent me, but as because I enjoyed people's support, so I was able to return home. And then I started struggling for democracy and uh, people's well-being. So, you know, the soon after the independence, uh, as because my father got only three and a half years to develop the country. It is a very short time for a country which was just a province of Pakistan, not a state. But he graduated this province as a state, as a country. And then he started, well, one part is recovering this war ravaged countries side by side, develop the people's well-being. And within nine months, he presented our constitution. And according to constitution, he started to work for the people. But after assassination, you know, those who occupied the power, they were they violated the constitution and illegally captured the power. So Bangladesh couldn't make progress because there was no democracy at all. It was a military rule and martial law was imposed and power was not with the people, it was inside the cantonment. So you can understand the military ruler when they capture power, for a few months, they speak very good uh, words, then they forget it. They start uh, working for themselves. And that was the unfortunate thing for our people. So I have started, actually, I, I was in London in 1980. Since then, I started mobilizing the opinion uh, to establish democracy and democratic system for the people. And then 81, when I returned home, I started 
my uh, struggle. My sister and myself were only the survival, so I, I devoted myself that I will build up Bangladesh, what my father dreamt for the country, that hunger, poverty, illiteracy, and exploitation-free golden Bangladesh, a developed Bangladesh. This dream has been my government's inspiration all along. Returning home from exile in 1981, as I led the movement to restore democracy and people's right to vote and food, I was targeted time and again. At least 19 attempts were made on my life, and I was interned or arrested several times. Distinguished audience, there are just to give you a very brief account of our struggle to make Bangladesh self-reliant. Following the term in office from 1996 to 2001, my party Bangladesh again assumed office in 2009. At that time, the country was struggling with several internal and external shocks, political anarchy, rise of extremism, natural disasters, commodity price hike, and a prolonged global recession. We charted our roadmap for future Bangladesh, Vision 2021, in our 2008 election manifesto. It foresees, among other things, that by 2021, the Golden Jubilee year of our independence, Bangladesh will become a middle-income country. Long, medium, and short-term policies have been crafted to revitalize the economy. We formulated and implemented the sixth five-year plan that laid emphasis on boosting rural economy. Our government also generalized adequate fund for SME to create job opportunities in rural areas. Here I also mentioned one thing, that 1996, when I formed government, I found that there was no such uh, I mean, economic policy at all. Our party, Bangladesh, Awami League, we have our uh, different cell, economic cell, social cell, and political cell. So our economic cell was very active, and we had a economic plan and policy. I think Bangladesh is the only political party in, in Bangladesh Awami League is the only political party we have always uh, prepared our economic policy if any time we go to power, what to do, how to implement it, and how to ensure that people should get benefit of it. So that's why we have started our work and uh, we prepared long-term program that, like five years plan. So fifth five years plan was adapted in 1996 to 2001. That time we prepared it and it was up to 90, I think uh, 2002 from 1997 to 2002 perhaps. That was five years plan. But in 2009, you can, it, perhaps you have noticed that then we adopted sixth five-year plan. It means from 2001 to 2000, up to 2008, 
those who were in power, they had no long-term plan. And they didn't adapt any five years plan. It was only ad hoc basis they used to run the country. But country like ours, if you want to develop it, definitely you need long-term program as well as, yes, short-term program too. So we adopted sixth five-year plan in 2009 when I become prime minister second time. So there, as side by side, we had adopted another 10 years long-term <coughs> program. That means 2010 to 2020, what we will do for our development for long term. And five years plan, this is for our five years, uh, uh, I mean, program. That way, we have started developing the country. And also, we give importance to one thing, there's a foreign you know, investment and also domestic investment. And we have, uh, we have started to encourage our people, especially our women, entrepreneurship. I wanted to bring our women in the mainstream of our economic activities. That way, like SME um, Foundation, we have adapted that is a small, medium, and uh, other uh, industry we can establish. And agriculture sector, we as because our economy mainly based on agriculture. So we give more uh, importance to our agriculture sector because we wanted to fulfill our food security or need of food that is very, very important. 1996, uh, that time when we formed government, I found we had food scarcity. Four million. Four million food deficit. So we we took pragmatic program, started supporting our former Bangladesh very quickly. Bangladesh become self-sufficient in food. 2001, when we left our government, it was a five years tenure. That time also we had 26,000 metric ton rice in reserve. But 2009, when I formed government, again we found that Bangladesh become, uh, you know, uh, well, a food deficit country. That time it was uh, 3 million metric ton food deficit. But now our food program, you know, now Bangladesh is uh, become a country self-reliant in food production. Our pragmatic and decisive policies paid dividends. We attained water can food grain, fish, poultry, and vegetables production. It is not only food side by side, we also need nutrition. So one thing that we want to ensure that our people get their food side by side, the nutrition. So that's why we also give more importance. And um, now Bangladesh, uh, in the fish, uh, I mean, the sweet water fish, the, I mean, river fish, Bangladesh is almost self-sufficient. But poultry, vegetables production, 
everything now we can produce. On the fiscal front, focus was given on mobilization of domestic resources. Over 95% allocation of our national budget is made from domestic resources. Now we don't need to depend on other donation. We can do it ourselves. Our annual um, development project we can fulfill with our own resource, at least 90%, 95%, we can do it. Private sector has been opened up to boost investment and thereby create job opportunities. We have undertaken several fast track projects with foreign investments. 100 special economic zones are being set up across the country to attract foreign direct investment as well as domestic investment. Ten initiatives mostly dealing with socioeconomic emancipation of rural people are being implemented under direct supervision of my office. We have introduced the concept of micro savings along with micro credit under one house, one farm project. The poor and marginal, uh, marginal rural people are being made self-reliant using the credit in income generating activities. Ladies and gentlemen, today we are one of the fastest growing economies in the world with optimistic outlook. Last year, the growth rate was 7.28% and this year, the projected growth is 7.65%. The GDP grew by 2.5 times to 250 billion US dollars in 2017 from 100 billion US dollar in 2009. Foreign currency reserve grew more than nine times to over US dollar 33 billion thanks to our diaspora. Per capita income lived from US 543 in 2006 to US dollar 1752 this year. 2006 means when BNP was in power that time, our per capita income was only US dollar 543. And now we, our people, their per capita income is 1, 752 US dollar. This, this, this year we achieved. In its review last month, the Committee on Development Policy, CDP of UN, ECOSOC, found Bangladesh fulfilling its three eligibility criteria for graduation out of the LDC category. Bangladesh currently is the second largest RMG exporter in the world. Initiatives have been taken to make our garments factories compliant to safety and security standards. We have now 67 RMG factories with lead, that means leadership in energy and environmental design certification. Top seven environment-friendly garments and textiles factories of the world are in Bangladesh. 
Our pharmaceutical industries made 95% of local demand and export to more than 100 countries. Our shipbuilding industry exports ocean-going vessels to Scandinavian countries and Germany. Alongside frozen food, leather products, smart devices, IT services, jute and jute goods, toys, and many other have the potential of claiming greater share in global trade and investment. Since 2009, export earnings increased three times to 34.67 billion US dollar. During December 2008 election, we rolled out our digital Bangladesh concept. We now have 136 million mobile phone users and 73 million of them use mobile data. 13 high-tech parks are being set up to boost billion-dollar ICT industry. Bangladesh is also set to launch soon its first satellite, Bangabandhu 1. We have set up about 6,000 digital and 8,500 e-post centers across the country to cater 200 different government services to people. More than 18,000 community clinics and union health centers are providing Medicare services to mainly rural women and children. Energy is crucial to achieve high growth. In 2009, we inherited power production capacity of around 3,200 megawatts. Here I have another story also. 1996, when I become Prime Minister first time, our power generation was only 1600 megawatt. Then for the first time I opened up it for the private sector and I, we passed a law and took initiative and we increased our power generation about 4300 megawatt. But when we left in 2001, that time we had 4,300 megawatt. But after election 2008-2009, when I formed government, then we found that our generation reduced to 3,200 megawatt. I don't understand that if there is any government, they should increase more because we have a plan and projects, but they those who were in power, they didn't implement it. But then we have to take initiative. Now the capacity is increased by more than five times to 16,000. The capacity is actually 16,600 megawatt. So you can compare from 1,600 to 16,000 that we achieve. As because Bangladesh League is in power, that's why it has been improved. 90% of households have been brought under electricity coverage. Uh, our plan is within 2021, 100% houses will be lighted. Work on a 2,400 megawatt nuclear power plant along with several other big power plants is going on. The strategic location makes Bangladesh an emerging hub for regional connectivity, foreign investments, and global outsourcing. 
Work on the 6.15 km Padma multipurpose bridge is progressing with our own resources, which will develop connectivity with second part, port, Mongla, and southern part of the country. We are planning to build a deep seaport, while our third seaport in Paira has commenced operations. Work on the metro rail in capital Dhaka is also progressing. Bangladesh could be a gateway to a market of 3.9 billion people through regional integration. Multimodal transport networks are being built to promote trade and people-to-people -people contacts among Bangladesh, Bhutan, India, and Nepal, BBIN. We have taken an initiative to connect our two neighbors, India and China, through Bangladesh and Myanmar to revive the old Silk Road, Bay of Bengal multi-sectoral technical and economic cooperation, Beamstake, connects South Asia and ASEAN country. Distinguished guest, we have understand that invest in our vast human resources, particularly women and youth, would pay rich dividends. Nearly 20.3 million students, half of whom are girls, are brought under stipend and scholarship programs. Education of girls is public schools in free up to level 12. Free textbooks are being distributed among students up to secondary level since 2010. Some 362 million textbooks have been distributed this year alone. A school mail program is introduced for more than 2.84 million children. 10% children are enrolled in schools. The female-male ratio in secondary school is now 53 to 47. Now, girls are more than boys. Now, we are taking initiative. Why boys are less than girl enrollment? But we'll cover it up soon, which was 35 to 65% in 2009. Literacy rate has been increased to 73% from 45% in last nine years. Here also I have another story. In uh, 1996, when I from government, I found that our literacy rate was only 45%. Then I took a special program to uh, increase our literacy rate as well as, you know, old education also. And with our initiative, we, at that time, we increased our literacy rate about 65.5%. But 2009, when I formed government, then again I found that that has been decreased to 44 to 45% again. So you can imagine those who were in power they didn't take any initiative or the project we started, they didn't fulfill it. So now we have increased about 73% because we have to start, which we had in 1996, 45%. Then again to 2009 from 49%, now it is 73%, but it will be 
uh, more very soon. We are expanding vocational training facilities to equip our youth with future livelihood skills. Special emphasis has been given to unlock the potentials of physically challenged children and people. We are spending 2.3% of our GDP in 145 social safety nets programs. These programs, coupled with some pro-people policies, have brought down poverty from 41.5% in 2005 to 22% today. Women are our agents of change. We are providing special facilities to women entrepreneurs. They get collateral-free bank loan with only 5% service charge. They are entitled to 10% of the SME fund and 10% industrial plots. The 350 member Bangladesh parliament has now 72 women MPs. 30% seats are reserved for women at local government bodies. Over 16,000 elected women are placing their voices at the local government bodies. Our foreign policy priority is to strengthen friendly relations, particularly with neighbors aimed at flourishing trade, investment, and development cooperation. Distinguished audience, our successes are not to suggest that there are no challenges. We face the challenge of climate change, although we are the least polluter. Rising sea level will induce displacement of millions. It is a shared responsibility of the global community to protect our planet, our biodiversity, and our climate. We are in the process of developing Bangladesh Delta Plan uh, 2100 or the 2000. 100 to mitigate and manage the climate change impacts. Bangladesh is following zero tolerance policy against terrorism and militancy, which of late became a global threat. Bangladesh is currently enduring the entire burn of the recent exodus of persecuted Rohingya people from Rakhine state of Myanmar. The total number is now 1.1 million, larger than the total population of many countries. We have given them shelter on humanitarian grounds. I personally visited them in the camps to see their plights. So did many world leaders. Bangladesh seeks a, seeks a, um, Bangladesh seeks a peaceful sustainable and early solution to this crisis. Distinguished audience, we need to build knowledge and innovation partnership for transforming technology. We have to ensure a better quality of life which cannot always be measured by the yardstick of per capita income. Therefore, we have drawn up our vision to 2041, when Bangladesh will be a peaceful, prosperous, happy, and developed nation in the South Asia. I am confident that we shall fulfill that cherished dream of uh, 
Bangabandhu Sheikh Mujib's Golden Bangladesh in good time. I thank you all and thank you very much for your patience and listening to me. Khuda Hafiz, Jai Bangla, Jai Bangabandhu, May Bangladesh live forever, long live UK, Bangladesh friendship. Thank you. Thank you so much, Prime Minister. That was a, a wonderful tour de force. You covered a lot of different issues. Uh, and so I'm going to give you uh, a few questions to follow up on some of the things uh, that we talked about and hopefully have some time uh, to go out to the audience as well. Um, I want to talk about something that you touched on, but just to go a little bit deeper, looking at the future. Uh, you have. Uh, uh, by my uh, reading, two million youth entering the job market every year. Uh, and that is amidst a time not only of transformation in your own country, but of global transformation of how production is done and so on. What are your thoughts about how you're going to tackle the challenge of making sure that there is good and decent work for so many people who are coming into the workforce even as your economy changes? Well, as I told you, that um, already we have taken some steps to create job opportunity. And we are developing our country soon. But this youth force, they are our asset. We are giving them training. Our education policy, we give more importance to vocational training or technical training so that they can get job opportunity home and abroad. We are building ICT parks and also, as I mentioned, 100 special economic zones. There they will get a job. And I open up all, every sector for private groups. So private sector is very much vibrant now in our country, so people can get job opportunity very easily. Because, you see, um, I feel that this young generation, they should not be frustrated. And now in Bangladesh, anybody, if they want to work, wish to work, they can do it. And also we are, uh, uh, make arrangement, we have established a special bank. From that bank, any youth, they can take, uh, at least in our uh, currency, two lakh taka, that means with, without any collateral, and they can start a small business. That opportunity is there. Side by side, the private sector. Now, in television in our country in 1996, there was only one television. This is Bangladesh television. It's government owned. I opened up for private sector. Now we have already 44 television. Out of that, perhaps 24 or 34, 30, 34 is running. It means they are, the people are getting job opportunity. Then bank. We open up in the private sector, bank, the insurance company, then uh, now we are producing electricity there. That also actually was totally government-owned. So during my first train, I opened it up for the private sector. That's why, if I could mention that it take a long time. I mean, every sector, government as well as the private sector, we open it up. And uh, actually, my aim is to create job opportunity for our youth. 
So you talked about how Bangladesh is, is nearing self-sufficiency, uh, which is wonderful. Uh, uh, and that as your status changes, as your least developed country status changes, your relationship with countries, donors like the UK and others that have supported Bangladesh for many years will also change. Um, it would be great to hear what, what is your message to uh, both the donor governments as well as external private sector about how you want them to invest in Bangladesh's future? Well, um, now you can't say donors. We don't beg money, we take loan or investment. So we call development partners. I like to change this word because I don't want to beg, I don't want to ask for money just like this, no. Actually we take loan and we repay that. Now, always, you know, I always try that we should earn ourselves, we have our land, our manpower, so we should, you know, we should be self-sufficient. And, you know, our annual um, budget, we increase about four to five times. And now our development budget, mostly 90% or 95%, we implement it with our own money. And also we encourage people of different country. Actually, all the friendly countries, they are coming to invest in Bangladesh. Bangladesh, at present now, very much attractive to the, you know, foreign investors, and also the domestic investors. And also our, uh, now many Bengali, they are living abroad, they are also coming. They are coming, so we allow them to set up some private banks, and now they are also coming for investment, they are giving all the opportunity. So w one of the things on uh, about... I'm not an economist, <laughs> I'm, I, I studied in literature. <laughs> one, one of the things about, about access to finance, uh, let me bring this together with the discussion about climate and preparedness for, for climate change. Um, the hard decisions that you have ahead about spending money to both develop the country and develop your energy, but also to protect the country against climate change, sometimes that requires a different type of finance. People often return to, refer to this as climate finance to help make the, the investments for the future that are sometimes more difficult or more expensive. Do you feel like Bangladesh is getting enough access to those types of resources so that you can make the decisions that you want to make? Well, you see, uh, after COP15 in Copenhagen, I was there, and I was the core committee, the 25th members committee. After attending that, um, uh, you know, conference, then Samit, I, I realized that we have to do something for ourselves. We should not just wait for anybody's assistance so that when time will come, who will give us um, some opportunity and this and that. Then after coming back home, then I took initiative. And as because we are not amateurs, but the emission is there, but others are responsible for that, not Bangladesh. But Bangladesh can be affected because of this climate change. So already we allocated money, we set up a fund for mitigation and adaptation program we also adopted our own program and we started implementing it. 
but now yes we are we receive very small amount from uk and some european country but others only we receive the promises but not practically we receive anything but after the paris conference and signing the agreement i hope there is a good opportunity but unfortunately those who are very much eager for this climate change uh, issue like usa suddenly you see, well i don't want to mention they just back up. i think you already did so it's okay <laughs> so i was in uh, paris uh, recently because president uh, invited me then we discuss this issue what can be done so except america now you know the whole world is united to you know for mitigation program and we with our own resources already we started in the southern part where our people can be affected now we have started building their houses so that it can you know cope with this natural calamities they can live in a proper way and we have started developing many others and especially uh, developing the green belt plantation trees and everything building embankment we have started raising our rivers so that way um, well we keep it, keep it in our mind that anything happen then our people uh, should not need to migrate from that place rather we can develop those areas so that they can live with it and for uh, well natural calamities it is natural calamities and because of our geography geographical situation it is very normal any time we may face any natural calamities but now our people are very much conscious about it we trained our volunteers about uh, 45000 volunteer we trained so that any time any um, uh, climate like sometimes storm sometimes you know uh, tidal boards sometimes anything happen then flood so immediately now our people we just uh, i can tell you that we we just train them and the awareness what to do if anything happen how to face it how to cope it now they know we are building multi purpose cyclone shelter uh, normal time it just been used for school or hospital or office purpose but during the natural calamities or any storm or any cyclone comes we just uh, bring all the people give them shelter not only people and also our you know cattle and all other pet so that they can also get shelter that way we are developing all those area to face mm-hmm. the calamity of bangladesh people are very much expert in you know adapting this uh, mitigation program so we, it is going on and it, 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 well un- unfortunately there are many places in the united states like louisiana florida and 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 puerto rico that that also share your problems they should, they so should have our people maybe can, you can maybe you can collaborate with them even if the federal government's not uh, um you talked a lot about politics in your speech and obviously we have a, a number of people outside who are interested in talking about politics as well um you know 10 years ago you were in jail 
uh, and today one of your chief political rivals is in jail. And I'm interested to know whether you think that Bangladesh's development in the future is, is hindered by the tumultuous nature of Bangladeshi politics. What is your vision for how these things become less uh, of a front page issue and more of the regular course of, of politics? For us, economic development is our priority. We want to develop our people's uh, economic and social condition. And all our program, it is mainly based on, you know, the issue that in the rural level, or every development project, if you see, we started from rural area. We are working our job. But we know in Bangladesh, as you know, that 19, you see, 1971, we liberated the country. Within only three and a half years, my father was assassinated, along with all my family members and also the leaders who you know, conducted the liberation war. <clears throat> Since then, the military dictator took up power. Time and again, a military or quasi-military ruler ruled the country. And they, you, you cannot think that they just capture power. They started torturing the political leaders. They killed so many of the um, political uh, workers, leaders. Even there were 20 19 times the coup attempted in Bangladesh from 75 to 82. Now what happened? So many army uh, officials, army soldiers, the freedom fighters been assassinated or killed. That was the situation, and time and again, Bangladesh faced this trauma. You see, well, we struggled for democracy, established democracy. But unfortunately, yes, we brought back democracy, but the democracy, what does it mean? Of the people, by the people, for the people, what Abraham Lincoln said, right? But our country, what happened? I told you before that. I, I used to say that, of the army, by the army, for the general. That was the thing happened in Bangladesh time and again. And that's why the democratic system and democracy could not establish a proper way. But our uh, job is to create awareness to our people. People should know that voting right is their right. It was my slogan. In Bangla, I used to say, Amar bot ami debo jake kushi dake debo. It means this is my right. My vote is my right. It is my right to adult franchise. So I will cast my vote according to my choice. This was my slogan. I started, you know, all over the country, I uh, travel and I, our people. The but again, you know, 2007, there was an emergency. Why? Because that time BNP was in power. They are not ready to give free fair election. They created such a situation and that time, you know, from 9, 2006 to two, uh, 2001 to 2006, Bangladesh become, uh, you know, corrupt country. One. I mean, number one corrupt country five times. Now, Bangladesh is a country of, you know, role model of development. At that time, what was our criteria? That is, we were, Bangladesh was a country for uh, number one country. Then the terrorist activists and 
there were attempts on me, the grenade attack and all that. So th that happened. And then emergency was imposed. And emergency means you can understand. Again, overtly or covertly, sorry, overtly or covertly, you see, the military directly or indirectly, they capture power. And that uh, nobody opposed it. I was the first one. I opposed it. If you notice, you can see that usually what happened when the emergency imposed or anybody captured power, they arrest immediate past government. But they didn't do it. They arrested me first. File cases against me. They tried to try me so that I cannot participate in the election. But, well, I enjoy people's support. So they could they couldn't uh, uh, keep their power long time. They had to give election. Now, it's about the fate of Bangladesh people, I must say. But now I think people, as because people are, uh, we, we take initiative, they are educating, they, are, they understand. And as because our government always work for people, now our common people, they understand that only our milik, if our milik is in power, then they can enjoy the development, their life will be better life, they can get a better life, they can get food security, they can get job opportunity, they can get a better life, that uh, they understand. But as because, you know, the assassination, the coup, it, it was a very common phenomenon in Bangladesh. And well, as a politician, I know since my childhood, I have seen when my father raised his voice for the poor people, he was in jail. From time and again, this is our experience. Now, I know that power and jail is very near. But I don't care for that. I don't bother for that. I say, as long as I have power, I will work for my people. Because I want to ensure our people, it is not the elites group or the urban people, the grassroots people, the downtrodden people, I want to develop their livelihood and they are enjoying the fruit of it. So um, uh, we have a lot of questions online. We have a lot of people in the room. You have a prime minister to meet. Uh, so I'm going to go out and try to, if we, we can take a couple of more minutes. Um, uh, I'm going to go, there's a, a woman in the far back uh, who has her hand up with a pink scarf. If you wouldn't mind uh, identifying yourself and asking a brief question, thanks. Yeah. My name is Farzana Rupa. I'm a journalist from Bangladesh. First, I want to salute my prime minister because this is the first time in international community my prime minister said, we are here not for begging. We are looking for our partner. I respect you. And uh, at the same time, the long story of our struggle we heard here with our pride, fighter attitudes. And uh, when our economy and my country is doing well, in the same time, the international community who used to talk us about our flood, about us bottomless basket, now they're talking about one of the leader is in jail. And some people under the protection of UK, uh, Honorable Prime Minister, I want to know your opinion about that. The people who are convicted in my country for their corruption, for attempting killing you and many other people, they are now under shelter here. 
doing many rumor, bad things, bad campaign about Bangladesh. Do you have any plan to take back these fugitive people and bring them under justice okay. so to, thanks, to thanks, take forward thanks, my thanks country? For Thank question. you. Thanks for the question. So let, let's, let's go to that, but let me widen it slightly so it's about uh, people here in the UK. Um, but I think it's important... It's a free country. Yeah. I Anybody think can uh, take shelter or refuse, that's true. And, but the crime that person committed, and already he is convicted. And I don't understand how UK enjoy keeping a convicted person. So it is better you can ask this question to the UK people. But definitely, as because uh, he is accused by court, well, our, um, you know, it is a judicial you know, uh, verdict. So definitely we are eager to take him back. Uh, definitely, and he should face the court. But, uh, well, we, we are talking to it, uh, uh, talking to our, our um, I mean, um, uh, British government about it. And definitely one day we'll take him back. I want to make sure that we get in a, a question about uh, the Rohingya crisis before you go. Um, you mentioned the 1.1 million people. Um, is obviously an extraordinary thing. Uh, this is a, first and foremost, it's a political problem, right? These people are being forced out of their country and being told that they don't, in fact, belong to that country. So I want to ask you two questions. First of all, it's going to be very hard to move all of those people quickly anywhere. So what is your, what are the prospects for those people who are going to be there for some time? Do they have economic prospects in Bangladesh? How are you thinking about this so that they don't just spend their lives in, in camps not being productive? Uh, but also, how are you dealing with your, with, your, with your neighbor? I mean, this is a political challenge, uh, and surely uh, your ability to deal with uh, the government of, of Myanmar in dealing with this long-term challenge is critical. Well, you see, as we, uh, we know very well what is the problem, and as because, I, as I, uh, I told you, that on a humanitarian ground, we allow them to stay our country, and uh, I thanks to the international community, everybody is supporting um, Bangladesh government and as well as the refugees, uh, I mean the Myanmar people from Myanmar who took shelter in our country. But we have started discussion with Myanmar, and we signed agreement with them. They are ready to take them back, but unfortunately they are not uh, taking any initiative. That is the problem. But as because Myanmar is our just next door neighbor, our foreign policy is very clear. Friendship to all Malays to none. So with friendly gesture, we are discussing with them. Recently, Myanmar minister visited Bangladesh. Our minister visited Bangladesh. Our foreign minister, he himself visited Myanmar. Then our home minister visited Myanmar. And also our foreign ministry, they took an initiative that all the neighboring country, like which uh, Myanmar has border, you know, five countries, like China, India, Bangladesh, Thailand, and Laos. So with all of them, we discuss, our foreign minister discuss with them what to do. 
and now when we discuss myanmar sure they are eager to take the bag but in practical they don't and that's why we need more pressure on myanmar the international community should put more pressure on them so that they immediately take back their own people and also give uh, their security and ensure their livelihood now we have make arrangements and also we are developing a, a place where they can live in a better way because here where they are living now the monsoon season is coming up there can be land erosion any accident may take place and the camp is a very un, unhealthy but we are giving medication we are giving all kind of support there are food everything we are providing but it's not possible to live there they are human being and that's why we have started building uh, the some houses cyclone shelter and bank and everything developing that area so that they can go there and if they wish they can do some livelihood work so that they can earn some money and one of the very specific questions online from Kathy Smith at SOAS is what are you doing to impact uh, or limit the impact of the monsoon rains in, in Cox's Bazaar? Is that going to require moving a lot of people or, or, or is there support that's needed for that? Uh, the island I am developing, uh, the, uh, our Navy is working on it and uh, our, from our uh, Prime Minister office we are directly looking into it. I hope that within few months some places will be build up at least 100,000 uh, people we can accommodate so that those who are in the vulnerable place we can we can shift them there so that no accident can take place but what else we can do sorry 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 no sorry sorry i'm going to have to recognize we only have i sorry excuse me excuse me excuse me i'm sorry we i would really ask you to respect you're not taking questions i've taken one question so far i only have time that the prime minister has to go uh, we have so one. We have. We have one. Question, well, I. I. She. She. Sure she can. She can respond. I have a, a woman in the back here. Um, I'm. I'm just respecting. If you. If you turn around and be respectful, there are a lot of people behind you who are also waiting to ask a question. There's a woman in red who I will recognize for a question. Please look. There. There's. You're not alone. You're not alone. I'm glad you're here, but you're not alone. Hi, Prime Minister. I'm a reporter with Reuters. I had two follow-up questions. Uh, Myanmar said on Saturday that they repatriated the first Rohingya family and that they're working with the Rohingya government. Is that true? Is your government working? Has the repatriation process started? And second, for your plan in terms of to help refugees, um, is it true that you're planning to put refugees on an island in the Bay of Bengal that's prone to flooding and that gr uh, AIDS groups are saying might not be safe? Bangladesh, you know, Bangladesh itself always it can be flooding and it does. When there is a full moon, our Chitang goes underwater, but we are living on it. But we are preparing a better place for them to live in a better way, at least better than the, the present condition. 
of of course it is better than this because newly building the houses cyclone shelter and everything and about uh, this um, your first question the family it was actually not from the camp there are many refugees they are staying in the borderline just myanmar border in a zero point from there they took a half family because some of the family members are in the camp but they took half of the family maybe they want to show the world that they are taking them back it's a good sign if they want then why one family already we have submitted 8000 uh, families name but still they haven't taken them back but as because now they want to show it's good they, they should start it that, that's my point and look they are in our country our responsibility i cannot push them to bay of bengal no but bangladesh is situated on the bay of bengal bank of bay of bengal right so madam prime minister we we've already uh uh we we've already kept you uh well past the time that you had allotted we really appreciate you coming and being willing to talk with us today and answer questions uh we look forward to hearing more from you in the future and to continuing to cooperate with you uh thanks everybody and please i want to give a special thanks to uh the staff uh who have helped to put this event together and i ask you uh two things please uh remain seated uh while the prime minister leaves and then we invite you to join uh us and several of her team uh in a reception afterwards so thank you again Thank you for listening. For more ODI live event podcasts, find us on SoundCloud or subscribe to the Overseas Development Institute podcasts via iTunes. Thank you.